Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Say my name. Peyton. Pete. (laughs) You know, here's the thing that I wonder, how many church planners actually know what that's from? Many of them, because church planners are connected to pop culture. Well, but what about the one guy who left us a two-star review? The one guy who left us a two-star. Not a church planner, and if he is, he will fail. He's probably like, Say my name. That's from a vile and evil show. And he's right. He's right. I can't argue with him. He's right. <laughs> and he just, he would not find any humor in that. That's all I'm saying. No, he would not. But uh, do do the combo move. You had like a combo yeah. kung fu move with that. All right, Come here, on, let's bust here, it out. Here's the combo. Say my name. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think is cool? Is that oh. Don the Baptist's son was no, on that show? I know Don Overstreet. He was Badger from he the was show. Badger, like not just anybody. He was Badger on the show. Also of note, he was also the sheriff, or the was it the traffic, uh, the traffic cop from that movie Home, the little cartoon movie about the alien comes to Earth. Oh, didn't see it. Yeah, he was in that too. He was also on NCIS and he died. Yeah. Hey, so Revenant got like best film, right? At the Oscars. I don't I don't usually pay attention to the Oscars, but that's what I heard. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, yeah, okay, I can see why Peyton likes it. I can see why Darius likes it. Eh, it's all right. It's a good movie, but it's not like best film ever. Like Darius, my buddy Darius is like, it's the best film ever. Yeah, I, I I came out saying that may be the best film ever. See, I don't know why. Why why do you guys like I realize you and I have actually a different taste in movies other than um, by the way, guys, we are gonna get to church planning if you're wondering <laughs> if, what we're doing. If it's your first time here, just sit back, relax, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, enjoy life. Pour yourself a cup of joe. We're gonna get to some church planting goodness in a minute. <laughs> pour yourself a cup of joe. We'll get to the church pot later. <laughs> but you know, I, I, what, what did you think was so great about it? Um, this is funny that we're talking about this instead of, uh, I mean, we talk smack talk about what happened in our life, but okay. Okay. So, cause Pete and I secretly want to run a film podcast and we know we never will. Right. So we just, especially now we really want we're so busy. About. We can barely get this one to happen, <laughs> let alone add another one. It's kind of like, 
the the podcast ends up being like where we put the kitchen sink. You know, we throw everything in that we actually want to talk about and do a podcast about the first part. So why did I like it? This this is it. Number one, the absolute beauty of that film, all filmed in natural light. Um, it, it really, I think that helped me with the immersion. It just looked real. It looked like you were there. Um, the eye is very sensitive to light. I think we've talked about this, that you know when something's just not right about the lighting. It's the hardest thing to get right. And so he filmed it on natural light. It's very majestic in its scope. And I would say it was the sense of immersion that I had. Like as a as an RN and as a firefighter, I have seen my share of disturbing things done to the human body. Um, however, so when people are like, oh, you know, it's hard to watch. Um, it wasn't hard to watch for me in the sense like the gore. Um, I, I remember people around me going, ooh, ooh. And, I saw the no. original Total Recall when I was still in junior high. So, no, I don't have any problem with gore. <laughs> yeah, when he pulled that giant marble through his nose, that was that was tough. Two, two weeks. Okay, um, I, I might have been a freshman in high school. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, anyways, um, yeah, I, I think it was more just – when he was getting mauled by that bear, man, I felt like I was getting mauled by that bear. There was a way that he did it where you feel that's masterful storytelling. He pulled you into the story somehow. I was immersed in that movie. And not only that, um, I think the last thing was that everybody goes into it thinking it's a revenge film. And it's really not. It It has this redemptive quality in it. That I'd I'd be spoiling things to give it away, but it it's good that way, and I really liked it. Okay, well, you know, he he comes. I thought he it comes was good. Something else. I yeah. thought it was good. I don't know that I thought it was. Frankly, I don't know that I thought it was Oscar worthy. Yeah, I thought it was good, but I don't know. I you know, I honestly, I can't. It's probably because I am such a sci-fi guy. Yeah, you are. I and and I am as well. I was more. I rented another time travel movie <laughs> on the Amazon. Dude gives like birth to himself, which means <laughs> how can he? <laughs> oh, guys! If you haven't been listening to the podcast long enough, if only you could have heard our conversation on predestination. Not the topic from the Bible. The movie with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, it's a That's good film. I enjoyed that film. I. I mean, it was totally unbelievable, but imagine being so in love with yourself, you don't even know it's yourself. I mean, come on! Oh, absolutely. How conceited can you be? How much of a narcissist can you be? Well, it's kind of like when we listen to our own podcast and think we're funny. I do. I do listen to our <laughs> podcast. I was so... Just this week, I had to... Like, I listen to podcasts when I drive. That's all I do. And I was re-listening to Hardcore, a couple episodes of that. Hardcore is a good show, man. I'm sorry, but that is such a good, not because of us, but it just to me seems like so far, every guest we've had on there, except for one, <laughs> every guest that we've had on there has been amazing. And actually, since oh, we started. Wait, wait, no, no, no. The one, are you talking about the one who I think you're talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah. That wasn't yeah. hardcore. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was about to say that oh. actually was before. It was the same format, but it was back when we were interviewing. And that was a difference of opinion because you thought it was like the greatest podcast ever. And I'm like, no, I I'm texting actually. you. Please end this. He's like, oh, you want to go for another half hour? I'm like, no. Well, I, I felt he took a while to warm up and I really I was excited to get him. But yeah, he, he was. It wasn't until your wife said, you know, that one was kind of, eh, you know, not there. And I was like, vindication. It's not just me. <laughs> But it was. It actually was. And then we had one other one where I think we we said, you know, he might have gotten the award. We should give out awards. We should mail them to our guests. You know, you were the funniest <laughs> or best best uh, smack talk during the fight I just question. remember when, when we asked Hugh Halter the question on Hardcore, you know, if you got in a physical fist fight with – I think we put him with Michael Frost. That's yeah. like, you know, our standby. And he just goes – you guys are stupid. <laughs> like, in that deep Hugh Alter, no no joking around voice. You guys yeah. are stupid. <laughs> I love you, man. He doesn't mean that. He loves us deeply. 
But uh, <laughs> did you see that video? Did I think I sent it to you this week with Derwin Gray tackling everybody? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that my my mind went so to the the question where we're like, we're right, Pete. He is the ultimate weapon. You're yes, you're He's absolutely like right. Steven Seagal, man. He's like uh, when I first started watching that, I was like, is that Derwin? I think that's Derwin Gray. And then I was like, it is Derwin Gray, but I couldn't tell it first. Yeah. So I had yeah. to watch a little bit of it to to really get that in. You know, I actually had a funny story I wanted to tell you that did not happen in my life this last week. And I don't know what it was. Something happened that oh, I know what it was now. I can't share that. I was I was I'll just leave it at this. I was watching a, a TV show on Netflix that shall remain unnamed. And it made me think of this story. <laughs> And now I totally remember the context of it. <laughs> I wish I could share it with you. But Holly, I got to tell you this story, man. I have no clue what you're talking about. But I know. Just, I know. I can see your face right now. And I'm just, it, it's funny. Well, okay. So I, I got to tell you the story of one of the worst dates I was ever on in college. <laughs> and I I was trying to think last night. I'm like, what was this girl's name? I don't remember what it was. I think think it was Stephanie. I think that was her name, but it's been so long. I don't remember. Right. So in college at Biola, we had this thing called a guy rad, get your roommate a date. You do it as a floor event. You know, the whole floor would go to, I don't know, McDonald's. I don't know what they did. I don't even remember anymore. Mm, McDonald's. Yeah. And I was borrowing a buddy's car because I must not have had a car at the time. And, um, and this 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 chick was smoking hot. I mean, she was just a gorgeous, gorgeous gal. And um, I mean, this is this is a gal that was so far out of my league that I remember telling my roommate, "I'm like, hey, that's what I want you to get." And he's talking to our other friends, and they're like, "Dude, seriously, Reg, you can't get that for Pete. I mean, she's way too hot for him." <laughs> like it was it was one of those where it was like clearly out of my league kind of thing, right? So. Um, so we, we go wherever we go, some restaurant, right? And I'm driving my buddy's car. And this gal is a sweet gal. I can't say anything negative about her. She's clearly very nice, very, uh, I would say, not a mean bone in her body, right? Right. At all. But you know, like when you're on a date with a girl and you can kind of pick up hints Cause they laying them on. Usually they're laying on pretty thick that, you know, they're not interested in you or whatever. Right. She, she wasn't, she wasn't mean like that. She was just like saying, Oh wow. I can't believe all this stuff you're doing for me. This is great. This is fantastic. Not a mean bone in her body, but I can clearly get the sense. What she's really saying is thanks so much. I'm totally not interested in you, right? Yeah, yeah. She's, she's kind of saying, you are firmly in the friend zone, helping me out so nice of you. Stay much. away from me. We're not having but, babies. But, no, but here's the thing, though. She was told, I, I can't honestly say that she was a jerk about it in any way. I didn't get that impression from her. She's one of the rare gals who was like, look, I'm not interested in you, but I am totally, I'm going to let you know how much I appreciate all that you're doing. But by this point in my life, I'm like fed up with this, right? And I'm like, look, if 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 this is if we're not a match, then whatever, all right, I'm out. Right. <laughs> like that's the thought going through my head. True story, man. I remember this. We get back from whatever the event was. I know part of it was a dinner because I, I remember like we had to wait forever for the valet. And so I'm driving her up to her dorm, and at this point, I'm like, so not interested in her. Like, I'm like, I get your hints, okay? You're totally nice. I totally get your hints. I don't even bother to get out of the car. I'm like, I just reach over. Like, I'm going to shake her hand. I'm like, all right, there you go. There's the walk away to your dorm. Get out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not, man. She's like, uh, uh, okay. And I'm like, yep, yep, go. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. You said get out of my car? No, no, no. I said oh, it without saying it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was totally sweet. I wasn't going to be rude back to her, but I was like, look, I get it. You're not interested. Guess what, baby? I ain't interested either. Let's go so, on about our ways. So the funniest thing I have seen on TV probably all year is uh, Jimmy Fallon uh, on an interview with Nicole Kidman. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When he finds out that he could have dated her, but he didn't realize. Yeah, she goes back to a time where, oh, well, we met, you know, back in boom, boom, boom. When you were still on Saturday Night Live, our friend said, hey, what are you doing? Let's go meet Jimmy. And she starts telling the story. And he goes, and she goes, oh, I had the biggest crush on him. And he goes, what? Yeah. (laughs) And she goes, yeah, you know, I came over. And he goes, no, 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 no. What? (laughs) He has no idea. She's like, yeah, you... You just sat there playing video games. You had like cheese on the table and you grunted a lot. And he's like getting all embarrassed. Like, no, 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 no. You know, don't expose me. You know, but, but he, he, he's just floored. Like he realizes like Nicole Kidman liked me once upon a time. My funny story about, uh, about Andrew. Uh, were we going to no, wrap? That, oh, that was, that was, sorry. That was the end of my story. Uh, just my, air, air, shake my hand, get out of my car. All right, great. We're done. You remind me of a story with Andrew and I when we were dating and we, I say we were dating, but we were, uh, we were friends. Andrea was going to be a missionary and nothing was going to stop her. No boy was going to stop her from going on the mission field. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember a guy named Keith Green, but, uh, my brother-in-law, Andrew's oldest sister married his best friend. He wrote a bunch of songs with him. You can run to the end of the highway is about him. Uh, so many of the songs that Keith wrote, uh, Todd wrote like the string arrangements for him. So uh, anyways, all that to say, Andrea was like her whole family was Jesus hippies. They're all a bit older than she is. And um, so anyways, I had to play it super cool because I was gone over Andrea. I mean, I knew her barely any time at all my senior year. And I was like, boom, that is the girl I've been looking for. I know that's the one God has for me. Um, it, it was like cloning myself as a woman. It was like predestination, falling in, in love with myself as a woman. Oh, I'm just joking. If you haven't seen that movie, I just ruined it for you. But that's okay because Pete ruined it for me. <laughs> I told you. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But before I could say a word, you're you're mind blown and you just like blurt out the whole key to the movie. So, anyways, the, the wound is still deep. And uh anyways, so Andrea is telling me, like, I go, hey, hey, you know, I'm always playing it super cool. And I go, hey, uh, let's go up to Biola and go see our friend Pam. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Anyways, the whole time I've been hanging out with her, we've been going to Bible study, we're, we're chilling. And I'm, I'm coming on, you know, turning up the heat slow, like really slow, like one degree a month. And uh, so she, I'm, I'm in danger of being in the friend zone forever. But she is so focused on mission that I've got to really play my cards right. And she, start, she starts talking like she had like, the the like the hunks like the gastons of of our high school and college going after nonstop and uh so what happened but they were all players they would be like christians but they would um they'd be dating like 10 girls at a time and who knows what they're getting up to but she would see right through it and so she at one point she she she's telling me all these stories about yeah and then you know these guys you know where they they bring you flowers and you know and then they they take you out and um, they, you know, and then they, they, their car stalls and she's like air quotes, you know, or my car breaks down. Well, I guess we're stuck here. And, uh, she's talking about all the cheesy stuff that, that she'd experienced. And we, I had just had my radio stolen out of my car. It was the eighties, you know, and, uh, we're going over train tracks, you know, like you're, you're going to Biola and you're going through like oh, yeah. all those industrial parks and stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, and I go over this train track and it shorts out my car because the, when the guy stole the radio, he just ripped it. And, uh, and, and I don't remember what we did. Someone looked at it, whatever, you know, I was, that was college student. I was pretty poor. And, uh, so anyways, my car stalls out and I start freaking out. <laughs> I'm like, explain, like over, uh, I, 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 my, my car broke down. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. I think, and I'm freaking out, going, I, I, "I swear, I swear!" And she's like, "No, no, it's okay." And I'm like, "No, no, no! I promise you, I promise you, I'm not up to anything. I'm not, I'm not trying." But we're literally out in the middle of nowhere. There is just industrial park as far as you can see, and there is no cars, no traffic on this road. It's late at night, and uh, boom. I think one of the best stories I've ever heard from you about Andrea 
was taking the pictures or your pictures fell out of your wallet. Oh, that is the best. Tell yes. everyone that. That's such a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so Anna and I, uh, we hung out a lot senior year. We were inseparable. I was always, I would find her. Um, she, she would find me and we would hang out all the time. And I'd really be like, are you guys dating? No, no, we're not dating. And, um, anyways, I got a girlfriend, um, my freshman year in college and I was kind of, I was kind of pressured into asking her out and hanging out with her. And I was young and impressionable. One of my leaders was like, Hey, you know, she, she'd make a great girlfriend. And, um, and, and it was kind of like he, well, without getting into that anyways, she, she's a nice girl now, but, uh, we, we started, um, dating and I wasn't attracted to her and I felt kind of bad. I'm like, Oh, I got to break up with this girl. Why, why am I dating her? I never should have been in this relationship. Um, I think I held her hand once, never kissed her, never showed any affection, was just not interested. And I'm thinking, how do I get out of this? Because I've been set up with her and I'm supposed to like her and I really don't like her. And uh, I bump into Andrea and I am my heart. Once it went for Andrea, it never came back. Like she would have been uh, the girl I thought about for the rest of my life. And so what happens is she's got this boyfriend and I've got this girlfriend and we're all at Golden West College in Huntington Beach Community College. And I bump into her. And as I bump into her, we're like, hey, hey, you know, hey, how are you? I'm good. And of course, her boyfriend's gone. I don't like that, Peyton Jones. And my girlfriend's gone. Oh, this is that Andrea girl he talks about. And I go, hey, you got to see my student ID. And my student ID, I had long hair, like hair down to my butt, like red hot chili pepper type of thing. And I, I paid the guy $10 at the little like photo ID, uh, where you get your photo ID. I'm like, Hey, can you take this picture of me? He's like, no, no, man, I'll get fired. I'll get in trouble. And I go, come on, man, here's $10. It only took $10 to get, to risk him getting fired. But I had him take a picture almost like Kilroy, like from my, right. my yeah. the top of my nose up. But what I wanted was I put my hair in a Dr. Seuss top knot on the very top of my head. So my hair looked like this fountain. That was coming off the top of my head. So my ID picture wasn't actually my face. It was my eyes and then my hair in this giant fountain. So I would take it out at school and all the, all the faculty would be like, oh, you're going to get busted for that. You got to go retake that. Never did. <laughs> Anyways. So I tell Andrew, I go, oh, you got to see my student ID. It's so funny. And I open my wallet. No, no, this is, open- you're with your girlfriend and she's with her boyfriend. Yeah, we're all four there. We're like in a public spot. And I go, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, check this out. And I go, check out my picture. And as I open my wallet to pull this picture out, you know, those little like plastic, like photo, used to have them in wallets where it was like a photo album, a little mini photo yeah, album. There. Totally. Like, you know, four or five little, you know, little cards, four by six photos. That flops out and lands on the ground at the feet of all four of us. And it was like time froze. We're all like, <gasps> You know, because it flops open to a picture of me and her at the the winter formal <laughs> senior year, and and it was like you could just feel the tension, like everybody's looking, and I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> you know that Andrew is going. What's my picture doing in his wallet? And her boyfriend's going, what's her picture doing in his wallet? And my girlfriend's thinking, what's her picture doing in his wallet? <laughs> It was the worst moment. Oh, I love that stuff, man. I guess we got to get out of here, man. (laughs) Say my name. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. (laughs) We all have our favorites. You have the spicy meatball quote, and I had Andrea. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You see, I I know we got to end our. Oh, yeah, we're over time. We can't. We can't. Ouch. We can't do any more smack talk. So, uh, so before we get into our topic, which is actually going to be a good one today. Welcome, you are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by MoGiv. M-O-G-I-V dot com forward slash church. <laughs> Peyton, let me ask you a little question. Mm. Have you been meaning to get your church set up with some online and text-based giving? Only because I love them so much. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder? Yes, because I do not love them as much as I should. Well, stop it. A better solution is here. 
mogive.com forward slash church is a text-based online giving solution <laughs> built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Head on over to mogive.com forward slash church to learn more. Wow, Pete. Now I can finally love my church as I should. Now you, ooh, I gotta watch yeah, that. Yeah, no, no. If in doubt, don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Pete, Pete. If you doubt it, it's safe to say it's not a good thing to say. Because the stuff you don't doubt's bad enough. So, uh, should we hear a little, little something from Doc Brown? Yeah. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. So, Mr. Jones, what is this week's topic for the Church Planner Podcast? Well, today's topic is on the filling of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And before you all go running, um, I believe that there are some very biblical ways to kind of figure this stuff out. I think it's one of those things that's a giant mystery to people. People have a lot of reservations. Um, and yet, when you read the book of Acts, which is the book on church planning, I mean, one of many books on church planning, I would argue in the Bible, but uh, probably the big book of church planning, um, it really emphasizes the Holy Spirit and this whole idea of being baptized with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I think that in all of our church planning discussion, to not discuss this is missing, you know, I always tell people, I go, you know, there's there's three things that are really big in the book of Acts in regards to church planning. Number one, prayer. That's a big deal in the book of Acts. Number two, evangelism. And number three, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Those three things are kind of a big deal. And uh, you'd be amazed how little we spend on at least two of those. Yeah, well, I, I've said this before on the podcast, the um, being filled with the Holy Spirit was such an important deal in the book of Acts. It was the litmus test. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, remember they're like, oh, have you guys been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we don't even know anything about this. What is this? Like that was their litmus test was. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I believe, is that Acts 19? I can't remember the exact passage. Uh, I believe actually that's uh, uh, Acts 19 uh, verses 24 and 25. <laughs> I have no idea. Son of a Baptist. <laughs> Minister. Um, so here, here's the deal is uh, I would say that the majority of preachers out there who um, are, are not sure what this means are probably in the same condition as those guys where it's not that they don't know that there's a Holy Spirit, but he's a topic. You know, it's like they, they haven't really tapped into the fact that the Holy Spirit is meant to be really the, the, the rocket fuel for most of what you do. Um, so well, I it, definitely don't understand the Holy Spirit even remotely. I don't get well, it. Yeah, and and I think he's meant to be mysterious. I, I don't just mean that, mysterious. Like I don't understand the whole baptism by the Holy Spirit. I don't understand any of that because I grew up Baptist, and we pretty much, you know, well, there's a Holy Spirit, but uh, don't forget, Pete. There's no such thing as ghosts, except for the Holy Ghost. That one's real. <laughs> But everything else, no monsters, werewolves, and ghosts. Yeah, the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible is the Trinity in many denominations. Yeah. And we forget that little Holy Spirit part. But, you know, he is meant to, to, to be behind the scenes. But the point is, behind the scenes doesn't mean out of, out of sight, out of mind. Um, he, he underlies everything. He brings Jesus to the, to the fore. And um, he glorifies and exalts him. Jesus says, when he comes, he will glorify me. So we don't see the Holy Spirit glorifying himself. Um, so in, in R.C. Sproul wrote a book. I'm looking at it now. Speaking of my wife, um, the way that I really uh, kind of got my meat hooks into my wife is I said, hey, you know, I've been really wanting to learn more about the Holy Spirit. And she goes, you know, me too. And I go, well, you know, I just bought this book. Maybe we could study it together. <laughs> Wink. Hey, baby, what's your spiritual gift? You don't ask a Christian girl what her sign is. Hey, you uh, no, go to church around you know, here we often? used to say at Biola when there was like a girl who, you know, let's just say she wasn't she wasn't what you were looking for physically. You would say, <laughs> she really loves the Lord. Like, that's what you would say. Oh, what's she like? She really loves the Lord. What's she oh, look like? When you say it she like really that, I hear Reverend Lord. Brown from Coming to America. I love the Lord. 
and if loving the Lord is wrong, uh, I don't want to be right. Uh, so, uh, anyways, um, so so the mysterious or the mystery of the Holy Spirit was a book title. That was the book we went through, and I think R.C. Sproul, uh, as a theologian, I mean, kind of sounds silly to to say about that guy. I think he nails it because R.C. Sproul is, after all, R.C. Sproul. And uh, anyways, th- uh, that title, the mystery of the Holy Spirit, he is mysterious, and there are many things about him we're not going to understand. But um, I believe, like Peter said, where he goes, this promise is for you, and it's for your children, and for as many as the Lord our God will call. Um, so I think that what, what Peter ended his sermon on Pentecost by saying is, this is for everybody. And everybody has full access to what's happening today. And, um, and, and he, he mentions it. It's a perpetual generation. It's you and your children and for as many as the Lord our God calls. So what you often find, let's talk about the baptism, and then let's talk about the the filling. I would agree with many people that the term um, baptism, uh, you find that means to be immersed in, and then you find the term filled, and they're kind of like the opposite. One is uh, you're plunged into the Holy Spirit. The other one is the Holy Spirit is plunged into you, mm. right? So um, those would be the two different ways that that you see uh, this terminology. And I believe they're slightly different. So one of the things that people often say is um, there is one baptism and many fillings. And um, some people, uh, let, me, let me start by giving the warning of what I don't believe. And by the way, guys, we can totally disagree on this. And it is a secondary deal, but I think it's a crucial deal. And it will it will have a huge impact on what your ministry turns out to be. And so I think it's something that needs to be gotten right. But let me let me start by what I, I don't believe. And then you can kind of see where I'm coming from. And you'll recognize these couple of views. Number one, I do not believe that everybody gets baptized with the Holy Spirit when they get saved. Um, and, and, and I want to talk about why that is. Um, trying to think of, there's two extremes here, and I'm in the middle, if that makes sense. So let me just give the two extremes. So the one extreme is everybody has the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they're saved. Um, that would be one extreme. That was a very conservative view. Then there's a very, um, I would say, Pentecostal view on the far end of the spectrum, which says uh, there's something called the second blessing, which is that you are saved, but you're not complete as a Christian until you have uh, the uh, second blessing, they call it, and then you're completed. The Holy Spirit comes and fills you, and before that, you're just like, uh, you're kind of like half a Christian. You're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but you're just kind of halfway what you need to be. And I don't believe the Bible teaches that either because what I think is true of every Christian, let me give the reason why I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm not in the middle of either one of those, like neither one of those views appealed to me in any way, shape, or form. But the reason I, I put it on the in the form of a scale is because the Bible teaches very clearly that when you believe, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So there's no way that you can possibly say that someone is incomplete as a Christian. You know, Paul says that the fullness of God, you are filled with all the fullness of God because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So that doesn't sound incomplete to me. Um, On the other side, um, why would I say that if you're indwelt, that you could still be baptized because what the term means is it means that that you're completely well let me let me back up picture that that the term the baptism of the holy spirit is always linked in connection with mission so let's go to acts chapter uh one where it says that jesus told them uh you know go but wait you know i i want you to tarry in jerusalem Till you receive the Holy Spirit, for you will be baptized with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and then you will be my witnesses. So right away, you can see that there's something that's going to happen with the Holy Spirit, but it's connected with mission. So what I always say is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for an empowering, right? There's power associated with it. And it's this power for mission. It's, it's, it's the reason why when I'm on mission, I can do things that I normally wouldn't do. And by the way, miracles, healings, all of that stuff is for mission. Um, in fact, you know, anytime that the power of the Holy Spirit's promise, it's for mission. So it has nothing to do with me being complete. And people would say, well, wait a second. Um, what about the disciples? And, 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 and they, you know, it wasn't like Pentecost the day that the church became the church. There are people that argue that because what they would argue is that the Holy Spirit did not indwell people before the day of Pentecost. That what was actually happening was there was just, it was kind of almost like an inauguration ceremony where the Holy Spirit comes into the disciples for the first time. I don't believe that. The reason why is in John chapter 20, after Jesus has risen from the dead, remember how it says that Jesus spent many days with them and, uh, you know, he's talking with him. He's explaining things about the kingdom. Before he ascends, the last thing he does is he blows on him. And he, he now that's powerful because what he does, he, he blows. It says that he blows uh, upon the disciples. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I'm just going to play Lieutenant Colombo here or something I don't understand. Um, that sounds to me like on that day in John chapter 20, during his ascension, uh, he is filling them with the Holy Spirit. And the reason he blows on them is because, if, you know, they would know this. Um, back in, in Genesis, where it says that the Lord God forms these men out of clay, he's natural, but he's not supernatural. He doesn't have a soul. In the Hebrew, it says, and God breathed into his nostrils and Adam became a living soul. That's actually the word there, soul. Um, so, so when Jesus breathes on them, he's reenacting Genesis and the creation of Adam, and he's creating this new humanity, like Paul talks about in Ephesians, uh, particularly chapter three. And so Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into them. And I, I mentioned this on our other podcast, Pete, where um, the Holy Spirit uh, was not able to indwell man. The Holy Spirit could always come upon people. And so what you see at Pentecost is not completely new. It's only new because this time they're indwelt by the Spirit. But what happens at Pentecost is the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Well, if you go through the Old Testament, you find the Holy Spirit coming upon David. You find the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, Samson. It says that the Spirit came upon him. He laid hold of a jawbone of a donkey, and he slayed a thousand Philistines. Um, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and anoint them and empower them to do supernatural things. So in the New Testament, the reason that this becomes different is that the Holy Spirit indwells them. Um, and now when the reason that the Bible uses the term baptized by the Holy Spirit is that it literally means that he's in you, but he's also all around you. And the term there, baptism, means to be saturated, completely surrounded and soaked with water. So what's happening during Pentecost is these guys uh, that that were, you know, maybe used to more natural means. I mean, God had used them to heal. They'd already done that. But there was this new power, this new authority. I mean, Peter gets up. And Peter, you know, the guy who, you know, just, you know, two months before couldn't withstand the persecution from a little girl can suddenly speak boldly with no fear of death at all. And, uh, and he can, he can, uh, he can preach and 3000 men, not counting women and children get saved. Then you zip ahead. So, so this is the power when he says you will receive the Holy Spirit uh, or excuse me, he says, um, uh, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the baptism of the Spirit right there with the scripture is telling you that it's power and you will be my witnesses. That is the result. You will be my witnesses. So he tells them to wait 
in Jerusalem, and you'll receive power. So, so when I think of the the baptism of the Spirit, just to um, just to let you know, like kind of my story, um, I came to faith in Christ, and it was radical. I mean, you know, I don't remember the exact day I was saved, but the Lord was in my life. I felt His love the next day. I woke up, and cool things happened, and um, I was a cruddy Christian. I mean. And, and here's the deal. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that it has to do like you have the Holy Spirit and it sanctifies you and makes you this like super Christian. There's not a scripture in the Bible. Jesus doesn't say, hey, the Holy Spirit come upon you and you'd be the most sanctified individual on the planet. But what I do think happens is prior to this happening, you yield yourself to the Spirit like the guys did. Um, kind of like where Paul says, don't yield the members of your body as instruments of sin, but yield them as instruments of righteousness. So yield to the spirit. That, that literally means offer him your body as a living sacrifice, which Paul comes back to later in Romans 12. And what he says is yield the instruments or members of your body as weapons of righteousness. Like you become a weapon in the hands of God. When you yield your mind, your body, um, this is why holiness, people sometimes confuse people who study this. They confuse that when the, when the, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes, uh, that you suddenly are, um, more sanctified. Well, sanctification usually precedes this. In other words, what I like to tell people is it's kind of like the Old Testament sacrifice. Whatever's offered to God and sanctified and set apart for him, the Lord will consume. So like when we're walking around, we hold back parts of our life to the Lord. And that's why he's saying yield. That's your responsibility is to yield your mind, your thoughts, your actions, your, your wallet, your, you know, your time. You yield everything, your will, your heart, um, your mouth. You yield everything to the Lord and he'll take it and he'll empower it. But you hold back. We all know what it is to be a Christian, you know, holding back from God where he's like, okay, you keep that. And, uh, you know, let me know how that works out for you. And so when you want to be used by God, like the disciples, they spend that time and they're praying for 10 days straight. Of course, they've just walked with Jesus for like 40 days, right? Um, spent 40 days with him. That has a sanctifying effect on you when you're walking and talking with the risen Lord for about six weeks, right? But, uh, but anyways, um, but, but that's what happens. So like when people, I, I'm a, I'm a big grace guy, you know, I've come from a reform background and, um, grace means the world to me. You cannot, uh, I'm not into performance Christianity, but I, I always try to explain to my reform friends that holiness still matters. Grace is wonderful. Grace is the cross, but I'm talking about the power of his resurrection now. I'm talking about, I need to be holy. Um, I need to be set apart. Not so God accepts me. I have that through the cross, but I need to be set apart and, and given to the Lord and not, you know, kind of like Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look on a woman lustfully. Um, porn has no place in my, like all these things that are worthless. When you have walked in the power of the Holy Spirit and you've been fellowshipping with him like that, it has a sanctifying effect because suddenly you realize this is what God wants me to give up because there's this. And the, and guys, I would say to you, all of you that have walked very tight with God, you've experienced this. Um, you may not have known what to call it, but suddenly you, there's this power and force behind your words. Maybe your day gets hijacked, but suddenly you have gospel opportunities like you didn't have before. And you're, it's what's called walking in the spirit where God is all around you and you're fully yielded to him. That's what it means to walk in the Holy Spirit. Um, and, 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 and it all has to do with yielding and all these things and, and letting God kind of take uh, control. It's a very simplified, very quick version of this, but, uh, but that's. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I can totally see how quick that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Pete's still here. He's still sitting here, <laughs> but, but I mean, any, first off, any, anything that's not really clear there. 
Yeah. Um, so what exactly <laughs> is baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because I still don't get it. So baptism of the Holy Spirit would be like when God comes upon you. So when you're looking at Pentecost, he comes upon them. It says the Spirit fell upon them. So this is not the internal indwelling. You and I have that. But but what this is, is it's like an anointing. It's an empowering. So, maybe so why do some gonna, get that and some don't? Again, I would say that whatever is consecrated is consummated. So in other words, think of the Old Testament sacrifice. You yield, you put that on the altar. Fire used to come from heaven and consume it. So in, in, in the book of Acts, there's this picture of fire. Fire comes from heaven, it says. Things like tongues of fire are on their heads. They're literally cons- being consumed. The oil is the Holy Spirit. He's on them. And the flame is, is it's like saying, A, uh, you know, when it says tongues of fire, it's kind of like a sacrifice, but it's also God's presence, right? He is very powerfully manifesting in their life. And I would say that whatever is is consecrated to God, in other words, whatever is offered exclusively for him is uh, consummated. In other words, consumed by fire. And so that picture of fire on Pentecost is basically telling, look, this fire is consuming every bit of these guys. And not only does fire consume, I mean, I was a firefighter, right? I've, I've, <laughs> I know the nature of fire, um, but fire consumes and it spreads. And so these guys are fully consumed by God and that's going to spread. That's how every revival, which by the way, revival is a massive example. We're talking about when it happens in an individual. It always starts with one. Always starts with one person. But revival is when this starts with one person and it spreads. That's what was happening in uh, in, in the book of Acts at Pentecost. And so all throughout church history, you see examples of this. Um, you see it in the Celtic Isles with St. Patrick and St. David and these guys that... Um, you know, they, they, they're legends now, but what happened? Something happened. Um, you can go back and read the history and some of it might be fictionalized. Who knows? I mean, they might've, you know, you read in the miracles and you go, are they just being medieval about that? Or did stuff really happen? Well, all we know is tons of people converted. These guys were fully set apart. We have some of their writings and, uh, and, and they were, it just spread, man. The gospel spread like wildfire. And, uh, and then you start moving up into, you know, uh, John Wesley and George Whitfield, what was happening there? Well, you read their writings. John Wesley, even though he, he recanted a Christian perfectionism, he was on to something. Christian perfectionism, the, the belief that you can become perfect may not be something, but Whitfield and Wesley started this thing called the Holy Club. And although it sounds stupid to us and it was ridiculed in its day, they were giving themselves over to being consecrated to God fully. And of course, it's no surprise. George Whitfield becomes George Whitfield that we know. Uh, otherwise, he would have been some, some Anglican preacher we never heard of. But he becomes the George Whitfield we know because one day after he, was, he got caught up in performance, religion, and all that, one day he just throws himself on his bed and just cries out, I thirst. And then he describes uh, an experience with the Holy Spirit where he says, from that time on, everything was different. Um, John Wesley who uh, was walking down Aldersgate um, in London, experienced the same thing. And of course, to him, it was the love of God that flooded him. And it was God's presence and let him know that he belonged to God. And of course, there's, you know, over oh, a thousand tongues to sing my Redeemer's praise. I mean, these guys were carried. They had these head-on encounters, these head-on collisions with God that were powerful. And so what happens is, Zooming ahead from Acts chapter 1 and 2 to Acts chapter 4, they get persecuted. And then in Acts chapter 4, let me pull it up. We, uh, how are we doing on time, man? No, we're fine. <clears throat> so in Acts I was scratching four, my chin. Thank you. <laughs> I was wondering, you give me a, head, a hand signal there. It was like uh, the umpires, you know. <laughs> you know, people right now are like, oh, I forgot Pete was even on this podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to cram this in because we spent so much time on smack talk, but, but here's the deal. Um, they go and it says that the I'll, rulers. I'll tell you what direct- my biggest takeaway is so far. Yeah. I, you pretty much can't understand baptism of the Holy spirit. 
So that's that's my biggest takeaway. Really? Yeah. I've done a poor job. Yeah. Okay. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> so it says that when the disciples were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. Um, so he prays, um, and then I'm going to zoom ahead for time. He says, and now, Lord, look upon your threats. Grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, it's connected to witness. So, so at this point, there's this full first baptism where they first have this experience with the Holy Spirit. And, and often when you see it connected, um, it will say the result is they were filled. So what's really happening when the spirit comes upon you, the scripture will use this term filled. And so every time you have an experience of empowering for mission, the scripture uses the term filled. Some people argue baptism and filling are interchangeable. I I note in the scripture that the first time it happens to someone, you can do a study on this, it mentions baptism, right? Um, and, and so I believe that's what happened at Pentecost. They were already filled in John 20. Um, they were indwelt, let's put it that way. But then they were baptized in John, uh, I mean, in Acts chapter two. And then in Acts chapter four, the spirit falls again empower for witness and then they're filled and that just means that he if if you picture the holy spirit indwelling you then you picture kind of like um if you were like a well and the the well was topped up you added water or if there was a spring underneath that that water comes from a deep source and it begins to fill every bit of your life and that's what happened really it's a way of saying that the holy spirit owned them I mean, the Holy Spirit was filling every part of their life. And so, um, you know, William Booth, who stood in front of uh, Queen Victoria, she once asked him, she said, how are you reaching all these lost people and marginalized and how are you doing what you do? And he with tears in his eyes looked up and he said, I suppose, your majesty, it's because God has all of me. You know, he's just one. And then that's what she asked. She goes, how? You're just one man. How have you done so much? And he said, well, God has all of me. And so that is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He has all of you. You've yielded everything to him and he has filled you. He has taken it. You've become a weapon. He saturated your being. Does that make sense? And there's greater power in your preaching. There's greater power in your witness. There's greater power in everything you do. There's greater powers in your prayer. Like when, uh, and, and I'm not saying, by the way, that you, you know, you have to be in this for God to hear you. So Jesus made it very clear. And again, prayer is a mystery. Um, there's some things in prayer that the Bible says, like the, the Pharisee doesn't get answered. So the guy who thinks he's awesome doesn't. But the tax collector who goes, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, God hears that prayer. He hears that guy. Um, so I think you, and, and the funny thing is, is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're kind of broken. You're, you're, you're humble. You're not proud. Like I'm doing so awesome. You've been seeking God intensely because you're sick of yourself. You're, you're, you have no confidence in the flesh. I mean, that's how Paul was. Paul says, we are those who have no confidence in the flesh. And yet Paul was very filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, grace and empowering go together. There's an old saying that says, reformation always precedes revival. So the rediscovery of the doctrines of grace usually go before when people discover the gospel. Um, and, and I'm not saying they're reformed people. Um, I'm saying that people rediscover the cross before they rediscover the power of the resurrection. So for example, like uh, Chuck Smith, Chuck Smith will, will go back at the Jesus movement and he'll say, we, we studied the book of Romans. And as we studied the book of Romans, our church transformed. That's because they got hold of grace. You see, when, when the Spirit comes, remember how we said his job is to glorify Jesus. 
What glorifies Jesus more than anything else? The cross. What glorifies Jesus and God more than anything? Grace. What humbles man more than anything else? Grace. So grace lays the foundation for the Holy Spirit to move in power because man's already said, I ain't lifting myself up. I am a just disgusting, worthless, hacky sack of sin that ought to be kicked around. And I, I have no, like, I can't do a thing. I can do nothing apart from Christ. And that's where Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So you throw yourself at God and he fills you. He empowers you. It's, it's embracing his love and his grace and his mercy. And you're drawn back to him. And you're thirsting for more like Whitfield. I thirst. And then boom, the Holy Spirit comes. Because you're at a place already in your heart where you have set apart Christ as Lord. You are not lifting up the flesh. You are lifting him up. And the Holy Spirit sees that and says, there's someone I can do something with. Because that person is bent on lifting me up or lifting Jesus up. And that's what I'm in the business of doing. When he comes, he will glorify me. So when he finds a broken individual, broken by the cross, broken by sin, uh, broken by grace, who is willing to lift up Jesus, um, then the Holy Spirit says, now that's someone I can partner with. And that precedes it. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) And I have so much to say in so little time. (laughs) It's... To say the least, it's a, it's a meaty subject. It is a meaty subject. And you know, Pete, it's funny because this is why every book that, that I write, um, including the one that I'm, I'm submitting now, I just signed a book contract again. Man, I don't know if I told you about that one. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, every book I write will have a chapter on the Holy Spirit in it for this reason, including, including the stuff we did for jump school. There's a whole month. It's just all about this stuff because this, if the book of acts makes such a big point for this, then, and and we don't today, maybe that's explains a lot, you know? Yeah, actually I get that. I, I get that statement. I think part of the problem though is, And, you know, I can't speak to all denominations. I can only speak to my own upbringing. But there was just always this talk of the Holy Spirit, but that was kind of it, you know? So if there's not, like, one generation teaching the next generation, I mean, imagine how watered down it gets. And that's why, you know, like, the denomination that I grew up in, it just... I don't know. And maybe it was talked about. I was a kid, right? Going to my dad's church, literally a kid. I probably didn't even understand everything there, but I, I know I didn't understand everything there. Do you, do you know my, my thought? And this is actually in the next book. The, um, every denomination, if you look at the church, every denomination is kind of like a tree ring. And if you know what a tree ring is, it's where the bark calcified and got hard. And then there was a, a, a new growth spurt. It, it happens every year. I mean, Basically, what happens is the, the the tree grows from the inside out, and the 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 living pulpy part pushes the tree out wider and wider and wider, and the outer rings calcify. And so, um, what what happens is that uh, for a tree, um, you've got these uh, uh, these rings. It's fresh growth. Um, in each each fresh growth cycle, is basically a um, a, uh, I, I would say like denominations that, that you can mark the start of denominations by movements of the Holy Spirit, like the Methodists, like the Baptists, like the, the Anglicans. I mean, all of them, um, you know, the, the, you know, the Pentecostal movement, all of them pretty much started with a fresh move of God and the Moravians. I mean, you know, the, 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 you know, you could just go on and name a bunch of different where, where somebody, said, you know what, this denomination isn't cutting it for me. And I'm hungering more for what I read of in the book of Acts. And the spirit comes, like like the Jesus movement. Um, I, be- I believe right now, because it's been so long since we've seen God move in power in the church. And by the way, I'm not talking about the fake stuff. There's a lot of fake stuff in a lot of denominations that claim to know the Holy Spirit very powerfully. And a lot of it's just 
you know, it's fake it till you make it. You know, they know the Holy Spirit ought to be there, so they make a lot of stuff up. I'm not saying they make all of it up. I believe that healings happen. I believe that uh, things happen in spite of people. But I think we can be guilty of kind of like the Corinthians doing stuff that that isn't God. And uh, in, in the midst of God actually moving too. But um, but ultimately, yeah, man, I, I think a lot of these denominations started because the Spirit did do something new. But eventually, all new wineskins become old wineskins. And eventually, you know, new wine gets poured out into new wineskins. And, uh, and what's happening right now is I'm, I'm meeting and training church planners on a regular basis who understand the Holy Spirit and are operating in the power. And they're seeing things. And they're coming back when I'm training them. And they're saying, man, we... This happened and that has never happened before because I think a lot of people believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But um, like you said, they, they practically, no one's shown them, hey, this is how you pray for healing for somebody. Or this is what prophecy looks like biblically. Or this is what these gifts actually do and what they're for. Um, ironically, I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit this weekend at a church, speaking on the gifts. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, and we're we're just about out of time, so we probably got to wrap it up anyway. All right, my brother. Well, hey, um, I suppose we got another commercial to do. Well, I wouldn't call it a commercial so much as I would call it a heartfelt endorsement of an institution that helps church planners just about as much as anyone can. It's called... SimplifiedChurch.com. Dot com. And they will simplify your church because they will do your accounting for you. They will make your life easier. Would you say that's correct, Peyton? They have made my life very easy. I have no problems now. That should be the new tagline. <laughs> Simplify Church. You'll have no more problems after us. <laughs> Ministry problems? They'll all go away. Simplify Church. Take me away. <laughs> Cut to a scene with Peyton and a warm bubble bath with a towel on his head. <laughs> but in all honesty, guys, uh, Simplify Church, if you were looking for someone who can help you out with all your payroll needs, your accounting needs, your bookkeeping needs, your website needs. If you need someone to help you simplify your church, head on over to simplifychurch.com and tell them Pete and Peyton sent you. Woohoo! Yeah, baby. All right. Well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us for the Church Planner Podcast. If you have any questions about anything on a topic like this, please let us know. And by the way, we are looking to uh, take some of your questions if you want to um, hit us with some questions or some topics, maybe some things that you've been thinking about, then uh, let us know. Pete, how can they do that? Well, you can always head on over to, to churchplannermagazine.com, and there is a Contact Us button, which is usually how people reach out to us. And in fact, I remember we had someone reach out to us this week. Uh, okay, yeah, I sent that one to you. but Yeah, I wrote them back. Here's, here's the – nope, nope, not that one, not that one. Didn't we get another um, another endorsement this week? Oh, did we? we? I think we did. Yeah, we did. We got a review this week. It was from uh, for Grizzle Manizzle. That's no, was it? Yeah, it was. It was something Grizzle. So I assumed it was him. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I thought I had it marked here on my. Um, there it is. Website review. Nope, nope. That's for me to review their website. <laughs> yeah, not gonna happen, buddy. Um. Yeah, but uh, remember, guys, if you leave us a review, five star or better, <laughs> then all and you want to get your free gift, which we're going to give you a copy of Peyton Jones taking No Man Land and also the postcard report. All you have to do is open up your app of Church Planner Magazine on your Android or Apple device. Down in the bottom right hand corner, there's a little gear. You tap that, and then there's a little button there that says contact us here you tap that you send it on over to us that has your device token on it and that's how we are able to unlock those for you without you having to pay all that money so it's our free gift to you for helping us 
by saying how great we are. And there was somebody this week who did that. And I can't give you proper credit because I can't find it. I got so many tasks I got to do. It was Grizzle. Hey, you guys, here it is, U.S. Review. Yeah, you're right. It was from Texas Grizzle, TX Grizz. Um, <laughs> it's as if Peyton and Pete have discovered a treasure map that leads to church planting gold. Every week they lead us church planting they lead us church planting goonies on a quest through smack talk filled with zany catchphrases that ultimately leads to nuggets of treasure sure to save your church from being turned into a golf course or even worse stolen by the fratellis <laughs> a word of caution however excessive exposure exposure to this podcast has been known to cause its listeners to break out in the truffle shuffle on a serious yeah, note baby. this podcast is legit and these dudes have a heart for church leaders who are fighting in the trenches. So, yeah, thanks so much, Texas Grizz. TX Grizz. Yeah, boy. I believe he's planting in Galveston, Texas, so I'm pretty sure you're right. I think that is our uh, our Texas Grizzle for shizzle. Yeah, baby. For shizzle, my nizzle. Mm. So anytime you leave us a review like that, go ahead and send us uh, that from your app, and we'll turn on those free gifts for you. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today for the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. Say my name. I was just looking for it. I'm like, where's my button? Where's my button? <laughs> Say my name. Reminding you that if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. <laughs> Say my name. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Mm-hmm.